0: Hey, hey, Water Coolians. Welcome back to another episode of my favorite podcast, Water Cooler Talk. Today on the podcast, we are joined by the host of The Dictionary, Spencer Parks, the podcast where he reads the dictionary a little bit at a time. That's it. That's the show. Give it a listen. New episodes every freaking day. Day. Hey, what's, what's the worst that can happen if you listen to a show? You, you learn a new word, you fall in love with Spencer's voice and use context clue from his entire library of episodes to track down his location, kidnap him, and lead police on a six-hour high-speed chase through the mountains of Colorado? Sometimes, you know, you just have to take a risk, you know? Just go for it. Just go for it. Anyways, to the episode, I've been on a bit of a crusade on words, their meaning, and the impact of how we communicate within society, because this year... I really want to focus on understanding messaging. How does what I say, what I text, what I post impact others and hopefully add to not only the creative space, but our bigger understanding of how to be better to one another as well as Be better to ourselves like seriously look yourself in the mirror and reflect on how you speak to yourself we tend to speak to ourselves very negatively you know i'm literally finishing this episode hours before my midnight deadline because i spent the week heavy into a civ 5 online match seriously those games take like about eight years to complete so i'm currently there i'm like oh adam you should have edited this right away and now you're sitting here last minute but What if we were able to change the behavior towards ourselves and allow some of that positivity to seep into our everyday life? Empathy, as we end the episode discussing, isn't just towards others. You can also be empathetic towards yourself, self-empathy. Would we respond to, say, a driver cutting us off differently if we change the way we talk to ourselves? Just just some food for thought there. Food for thought. In this episode, we also have a conversation about IBM's Watson, the $3 million supercomputer, and how the introduction of Urban Dictionary and Wikipedia to its learning processor caused it to become an edgy teen. Of course, since we're talking about AI, I bring up Skynet and Jeff Bezos building evil robots to take down unions. Spencer gets a chance to win our very real studio car. Now, I do address the emails I've been getting from some listeners when we do game show segments. In the episode, so I will just you'll have to listen to get your response. Or Spencer, through this game, will walk home with the worst gift imaginable. I really outdid myself this episode, listener. Seriously, imagine the worst gift you've ever received and times it by a hundred. It's that bad. So you're going to want to check in and see if Spencer wins a new car or wins the worst freaking gift you have ever heard of. And then in our final news story, Spencer and I set the record for the most uses of the word fuck in water cooler talk history while discussing the concept of free speech and if you should be arrested for being a jerk and using offensive language towards the police. And listener, I do want to pose that question to you. How do you deem a word to be offensive? If you want to share your response, connect with us on Instagram at watercoolertalkpod and leave a comment under Spencer's episode post or send an email to watercoolertalkpod at gmail.com with the subject line episode 58 with Spencer Parks. But anyways, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, this is Water Cooler Talk episode 58 titled Offensive Words with Spencer Parks enjoy this is the story of a podcast that takes weird news from across the world and while many of these stories may seem fake they're absolutely not because they're real I'll ask you, what are your thoughts on the future of AI? And we'll maybe talk about Robot Wars cool. and, you cool. know, potentially some Terminator or Blade Runner. I just watched Blade Runner 2049 last night, so it's in my mind. Got it. And I've so never it seen it, but feel free
1: to talk about <laughs> it. Okay. okay.
0: Yeah. And you'll just listen for like an hour and I'll just sure, go sure. off talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> All right, Spencer, are you ready to jump into our first news article of the episode? Sure. Why not? This is from the Atlantic Technology, January 10th, 2013. IBM's Watson memorized the entire Urban Dictionary, then has opened overlords had to delete it. Humans talk funny. We invent words, we smash them together, tear them apart, abbreviate them one way, then another, which is great and fun if you're a human. Not so great if you're a $3 million machine or the kind of human who programs $3 million machines to understand language. And so when IBM's famous artificial intelligence, Watson, known for taking home the $1 million prize on Jeopardy! in 2011, was in development, its head researchers had a great idea. Why not teach Watson the intricacies of internet slang and phrases to help Watson pass the Turing test by uploading the entirety of Urban Dictionary to its memory? Because what could possibly go wrong? For the unaware, Urban Dictionary, founded in 1999, is an online dictionary intended as a dictionary for slang, cultural words, and phrases not typically found in standard dictionaries. The site has since been used to define any word, event, or phrase trending in popular culture. For example, Watermelon Sugar, the top definition of the week, is defined as It's 2021, and why the actual fuck is this word still on trending? Or, the name for a type of street heroine that originated in South Georgia in the late 1990s, or my personal favorite in our celebrity-obsessed culture, the words that everyone who made a definition for after or close to November 16, 2019, only did so to feed their fantasies of what Harry Styles does behind closed doors despite it not being necessary to go that deep to enjoy the song. The researchers behind Watson thought that this formalization of informal language, they also uploaded the entirety of Wikipedia, which is just under 53 million pages if you're planning to print that out there, Spencer, might be a great way for Watson to understand the way real people communicate, i.e. past the touring test. But one problem, informal language has a tendency to be a dirty, nasty language. Arming Watson with the vast resources of vulgarity contained on Urban Dictionary went about as you expect. Watson, unable to distinguish between polite language and profanity, couldn't tell which words in its new updated lexicon were approachable for normal, everyday, natural communication. In response to one question, Watson responded by simply telling researchers the same thing we should say to our politicians who don't follow through on their campaign promises. Bullshit. The Watson team, not wanting to go down in history as the researchers who spent three million dollars making an edgy teen robot, promptly swept Urban Dictionary from Watson's memory and developed a profanity filter to keep Watson from using any lewd language for future answers. Boo! <laughs> I know exactly. So before we get too deep into this episode, like I said, I want to know your stance. On the future of AI, we've covered it before with like the Flippy McFlip robot who made the burgers and a Ryan Beale episode. But what is your stance on the future of AI? Are you all in on Skynet, or do you <laughs> think it's going to be less torturous and evil? I don't know if I have a great stance on this because, oh man,
1: I just I can see it going both ways, right? You know, this is this is the idea of technology in general. There are a lot of benefits to technology, so there are a lot of benefits to AI. What's the other term that they use for that these days? Uh, Machine learning. But clearly, clearly, as sci-fi writers have shown (laughs) us, uh, that. AI can be very, very scary. Uh, I just got an image of the that movie AI in my mind, which I never actually saw, which I've heard is terrible, and I kind of want to watch that movie now. <laughs> is it like an early 90s sci-fi movie? Um, it was probably it around later? 2000, I think. It okay. was originally going to be made by Stanley Kubrick, mm-hmm. and then he died, and then Spielberg took it over. And literally, the only thing I know is that it's bad. (laughs) Um, Kubrick probably could have made it at least interesting. But um, AI is this thing that has the potential to, to be so beneficial to us and help us. But also, if you cross that line, it has the potential to become Skynet, become the Terminator, to be self-aware, to destroy all the humans. Uh, And now I have a vision in my mind of um, the Flight of the Concords robots (laughs) song. Have you ever heard that? (laughs) I have not, no. Oh my God, you gotta go check it out. It's, you know, it's the future... From when they wrote it, and uh, you know the the robots have taken over, and they're just killing humans. So like, I need to
0: get my cultural references on point after this episode. They're slacking already. <laughs> well, this uh,
1: this cultural reference I think is like twenty years old,
0: possibly. <laughs> so that's okay. Okay, but
1: yeah, that uh, AI. It's it's um I I see the potential. Well, her the movie Her is a perfect example of that because. If I'm remembering correctly, it was great. This guy had this relationship and he was very happy. And this AI uh, operating system helped out your scheduling and whatever it was. But then I think at the end, spoiler alert, all of those AIs, all of those operating systems
0: basically became too smart Mm -hmm. and uh, they basically did their own thing. What can also be like, I I told you I was going to bring up Blade Runner 2049 and and spoilers for this. uh, But in the movie, Ryan Gosling's character is in love with this uh, artificial intelligent character played by... um... Oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the actress's name. i including in the corrections. But it turns out that this AI wife character of his is the same wife character that everyone else is getting. So there's no, oh. there's nothing special about this character. Like when we talk about like the future of AI, I feel like you perfectly kind of said it. It's like it could be good, it could be bad, it could be both sides of the coin. Uh, you know, it really depends on who's making this stuff. Like I've, I'm, I'm a firm believer that artificial intelligence will never get smart enough to be able to think on its own, Mm -hmm. independently on its own. I think there's always going to be that basis of what the creator put in there. So say someone like Elon Musk, who everyone thought he was dead this morning. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, really? Anyways, no, I didn't see that. Elon Musk is still alive. Uh, <laughs> this is breaking news. Elon Musk still alive. Oh, well, but yeah. anyways, if like he creates this AI robot technology or Jeff Bezos creates this evil empire of robots, you know, no matter how far those robots go down generational-wise, they're still gonna have those original ideas by Musk or, you know, or by Bezos. Right. Yeah, it's only as good as how the creator makes it. Yes, like this IBM Watson computer, it wouldn't have known to use the answer of bullshit if the creators didn't input the Urban Dictionary verbiage.
1: They they just put all in, the, they put the rules in, mm-hmm. right? It's a program. That's literally what it is. It's an algorithm. It's a program. They put the information in there. It follows the rules that the humans created, that the humans put in the program, and It can only do so much. It can only do so well with the information that it's given. It clearly did not reach that point of consciousness, of understanding this is how humans really talk. They don't say bullshit (laughs) for everything. I would love to hear some more examples, by the way, of of things that it said. But it's, it's only as good as what the humans can create. I agree with you. I'm not so sure if AI will ever get good enough to be aware of itself. Mm-hmm. But if it ever does get to that point, I think that's going to be past our lifetime. We are so far away at this point of <laughs> what is possible with AI. You know, we've made huge leaps and bounds, but the the AI that we've got is it's pretty crappy. You know, <laughs> it is. it is. It's not good. <laughs> I do remember when I was a kid. Oh, man, this must have been in the early 90s, we got a program for our computer called Eliza. Have you ever heard of this?
0: I was born in 95, so if that, okay. if that well, makes you feel so old. There,
1: uh, it does, <laughs> but that's besides the point. Um, there, there have been more versions since then okay. and probably before the one that I got. But it's, um, it was an early use of, of AI. In fact, the original one might have even been like in the 70s for all I know. And it's basically a psychiatrist program where you type in a question or a statement, and then it will. it was all text based and uh and it would come back with you of like how does that make you feel and it, you know it was good enough to sort of understand human speech to a certain extent mm-hmm. y- you know you could break it pretty easily and pretty quickly <laughs> you know get her going in a loop or or something like that but I, yeah i remember you know i'm probably like 13 14 years old playing playing this with my friends and like this is so cool that the computer is essentially talking back to me. But, you know, after five minutes, you're like, oh, well, this is crap because she only knows like the same five things or something. And, it, you know, I, we've, we've definitely progressed since then, but we have so far to go to really get anything that's like noticeably useful to everyday people, I think.
0: Yeah, like right now, they're just using this script and following along on the script. Like, I definitely agree with it. I don't think we'll ever get to a point in our lifetimes or even, you know, our generations after us lifetimes where robots can have this new thought that wasn't created anywhere else. But I do think there's a possibility for AI to kind of start passing that Turing test, you know, the idea that if I'm talking to you, I don't know if you're a robot or a human, but I think that's even going to take time because the human language is by far one of the toughest languages to really understand. Like anyone who can speak two languages and one of those and a second or third language is English like they're freaking superheroes because English is such a freaking tough language to understand I'm so glad I grew up in an English speaking country because like even looking at like what I've written down like in just how the sentences are structured it's it's bullshit. <laughs> Maybe that was the answer to Watson's question. But it's just those intricacies right. are so tough for even humans to learn. It takes people years to learn the human language as a second or third language. And it's going to take a lot longer for a computer to understand, oh, this word goes here, this word goes there, and really understand how they work within a society and within answering questions outside of just you know these scripted answers.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to, to teach a, a program to actually Learn a language and all the rules. I mean, in my podcast, the dictionary, I have come across so many times where I'm, I, I, literally will say, this is why they say English is the hardest language to learn because it is complicated and words can mean so many different things. And there are certain things, certain rules in our language that don't even make sense. So, learning the computer learning the language in and of itself, I think, is impressive. And then to have it actually use it correctly. Especially when you've put in all this new information, it's amazing. I, I, not not that it was necessarily using it incorrectly when it had you know the Urban Dictionary and, and Wikipedia in there, but the but then the next level is society, like you said, and culture. You know, maybe these are terms that some people really use, but. A, the meanings of those change constantly. I mean, I was just on the the Urban Dictionary page and literally is one of them. So now literally sometimes means something completely opposite from what it actually means in the dictionary. So that the meanings are changing all the time But then how do people really use it, you know, to be to be self-aware? Like, I don't even know how kids are using words these (laughs) days because I'm 40 years old and I can't keep up with them. How is a computer supposed to keep up with all that? Well,
0: that's that's what I kind of want to ask you. Like, how had how have you seen language and the way we talk to one another change? Because, you know, like now we're using words like lit and Mm -hmm. woke and bay bay and
1: which I don't even know is a thing that people use anymore. Yeah, (laughs) I, I can't tell you how many times I have thought in my head or said out loud man i feel old i i can't <laughs> Every time I I go on know TikTok. what is cool and i'm not even on tiktok i actually just recently i think i downloaded the app mm-hmm. and i'm tempted to make an account just so i can have an account and i can like hold on to that username if i ever wanted to use it yeah. but i don't i don't get it i've never been on there what how does it what why why <laughs> And you know that that's going to be gone in a year. Not gone, but... There'll be you know. something to replace it that's
0: more hip and right. more cool. Yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, the kids don't use Facebook. I still use Facebook. The kids don't use Instagram as much. I still use Instagram. I, I don't want to use TikTok, but do I have to use TikTok? I don't know. And But but that, even that, at this point, is probably getting old. There's all these, there's always new apps, new, new social media things that are coming out. And I'm like, how how do people even find out about these things? I should probably get back to language. Like you said, how do people even learn these words? Where did these words come from? And you you have to pick it up somewhere. And the only way that you're going to pick it up is if you're talking to kids. I don't ever talk to kids. <laughs> the closest person in my life who's a kid is my niece who's 11, who I may talk to you know, every once in a while because we don't see each other all that often. And she. She probably doesn't even know what the kids are saying these days. Yeah,
0: it's it's not a good look to show up at a, a elementary school and talk to kids through the fence. It's not a good look, you know, <laughs> to try to learn how this language is uh, growing. But even the point about TikTok, you know, we have all these apps. Like now, we have like David Dobrik's disposable app. That's a new platform. Even as humans, like we can't keep up with all these updated apps. Yeah. I'm just to a point where it's like Instagram and Facebook. Those are my two. I don't care what else is out there. So like, how are we expecting computers where we're inputting inputting the data to follow along with how quickly language changes
1: yeah how 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 can you keep up with that i mean you you have to create an algorithm to then scan the internet constantly just to even see what's out there and you know, at that point, uh, if I were the computer, I'd be like, "This is too much. I can't just yeah." Like stu- Ultron turn it off.
0: from Marvel, he scanned the whole yeah the whole internet. And he was like, "Well, I think I'm just going to destroy the world after uh, seeing all and that." And I don't blame him. Yeah, you know what? If IBM Watsons read through the entire uh, Wikipedia, those fifty three million pages, I think there's what two hundred seventy thousand words in the Oxford Dictionary, one point six million words on Urban Dictionary. Like yeah, that that's uh that machine might want to destroy the world. Yeah, well, and so this gets into the idea
1: of, uh, I guess, how do I put this? There, there are the there are the rules. There's the structure, but then there's the uh, what we were saying before about you know becoming self aware and having an opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there's other ways to to word that as well. Ultron had an opinion about this thing. Watson. How do you program an opinion? How do you? That's a very good point. I, I guess theoretically, maybe they could program an opinion, but you'd have. But it wouldn't like, be but,
0: the. It wouldn't be Watson's opinion, right? It would be the researcher's opinion.
1: And and can you? I guess yeah. How do how do you do that? Do you have to program in that person's opinion in the computer for a? Like okay, where does an opinion come from? It's because. You have uh, you have an idea of two at least two options, and one of them you prefer. Basically, I mean that's basically what it comes down to. I like A more than I like B, so that's my opinion. So you you either have to program in what the actual human thinks, and then the computer is basically the human. That's their opinion, or you have to say, okay, you know, computer, pick one option. You know, pick something over the other, but then. The computer isn't really
0: making a choice on its own. It's just randomly choosing something. Well, I wouldn't say it's random. I would say say like a computer is more statistically choosing something. Whereas humans, we might be able to say like, take the GameStop stock stock frenzy, for example. It's like, oh, I think GameStop is going to go up. But the computer is like, based on all this data, I think the stock is going to go down. So they're going to choose down. But I'm like, I believe in this. So my opinion is to buy in. Well, their opinion based on stats is to sell right and well that's
1: that's the other part of it is do you program in the opinion based on information and data Mm, yeah some people like to say data or (laughs) does it choose it randomly either way it's still not an opinion it's still not the computer's opinion because it's it's um it's either random which is you know that's Mm -hmm. i could that's not an opinion whatsoever because an opinion is by definition subjective or it's using it by data that again is—it's just information. It's hard information, which is great. But if you want an opinion, and if you want to be self-aware, how how does that? How would that work? How would you program something like that? That's why I think, like, I don't even know if
0: that level of AI is ever possible. No, it's only possible in Steven Spielberg AI crappy movies. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to welcome to the show host of the Dictionary Podcast, the podcast where he reads the dictionary a little bit at a time. That's it. That's all he does. Spencer James Park. Spencer, welcome to Water Cooler Talk. Thank you. So I have I have a little surprise for you. I told you I had a little surprise for you. You did, and I'm very nervous. <laughs> well, I wanted to truly test just how much you love words.
1: Okay. Well, I I, I will have to say I'm I'm learning to be a word nerd. I am not. Uh, I I do not have a good vocabulary. I am. I did not grow up as a word nerd. I'm actually very bad with words. I have a terrible vocabulary, but. Uh, I have been learning a lot, and I very, very, very much appreciate words and language more so now than I did before.
0: Well, this will be be the perfect opportunity to test where you are in that life tree, and if you do well, have a huge accomplishment on your ring of accomplishments.
1: After this, whatever this is, I will have a a great,
0: awesome. Can I put it on my resume? Uh, Probably, (laughs) and people will probably be like, you know what, you're hired just from that. Awesome. So, Spencer, do you want to be a contestant on the number one rated game show during that weird time before the end of winter? And start a spring and potentially drive home in our studio car, which by the way, for all those who email me after I do these segments and say the car is a big lie, it's real. So Spencer, I want you to tell the people right now that there's a real car behind me. Yes, there is. Don't lie to them because we're now in the Supreme Court. So, if you lie, that's perjury. Oh, I hate lying, actually. So, tell them there is a real car behind me. There is definitely a real car behind you somewhere. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, Spencer, are you ready to play? Is this a word? Or is it just something I overheard at a theater of the absurd? The widely popular hit game show where I ask you, is this a real life word with a real life definition? Or is it a real fake word with a real fake definition that I made up five minutes before we started recording this episode? Are you all in on this game? Yes, I would love to play. That would be great. All right, I'm going to give you a word and its definition, and it will be up to you to guess if the word is real or fake. You are going to have to do this again with me when I'm done with the podcast (laughs)
1: after I've gone through all the words. Well, it's almost all the words, because then that will truly test me. A quarter of a million
0: episodes later of the Dictionary Podcast, you will know. Uh, So there's going to be six potential real or fake words that you'll be given. I'll give you the word and the definition. If you correctly guess four or more words, you'll be going home with our new-ish studio car, which right behind me somewhere. But if you're unable to reach the four correct guess mark, you'll be going home with the worst prize imaginable. Yes, that's right. It's back, ladies and gentlemen. A gift card to Applebee's. So, Spencer, are you ready to play? Is this a word or is it just something I overheard at a theater of the absurd? Yes. Can I give this gift card to my enemy? Yes. Ooh, that would be the perfect gift to an enemy. A uh, Applebee's gift card. Awesome. All right, this is word number 1. Real or fake? Canopsia. The eerie atmosphere of a place that is usually bustling with people but is now abandoned. Canopsia. Real or fake. Can you spell it? K-E-N-O-P-S-I-A. So this is weird enough that I feel like it might actually be a real word. (laughs) Or maybe I made it fake because this is what's happening in the world right now. Can you repeat the definition? The eerie atmosphere of a place that is usually bustling with people, but is now abandoned. Hmm. Okay, I'm using all of my Word knowledge. All of all of those episodes from the Dictionary Podcast are coming back in. I don't think you've gotten a K yet. I uh, know, have not. There is a K word that I
1: know that uh, we. I did an exclusive episode on Patreon that I would never guess what that word is, but it's a real word. I mean, I'm going to say real. Yeah, let's go for it.
0: You are correct. Woohoo. Nope, it is a real word. All right, we are on to word number two. Is this word real or fake. Vimo Dahlen. The fear that there are a thousand of photographs identical to yours. Vimo Dahlen. Spell it, please. V-E-M-O-D-A-L-E-N. Are you sure you're pronouncing that one correctly? Probably not. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Vimo Dahlen.
1: It's the fear that there are a thousand other photographs out there like
0: yours. Identical to yours. Yes.
1: I, luckily, I don't have the book next to me. Otherwise, I would cheat. No, I don't like cheating either. Uh, so I don't know. This one's a little bit weird.
0: Um, I mean, it's ob- obviously that's the whole point of it. I know a lot of photographers and the definition yeah. is potentially real because I know a lot of photographers who are posting the same damn pictures. Oh, yes. So that that's the thing is that the definition feels
1: like that would be real. Uh, because of that, I, I think that fear exists. But, you know, the form of the word isn't necessarily taking, you know, the fear part of it. So
0: I'm going to say that's a fake word. You are incorrect. Mm, uh, Female Dolan, however it's pronounced, is a real word. That's so interesting. All right, you're one for one. You got to get uh, three more, four more? Three uh, three more. At I at least, the, yeah, three. I forgot the rules of my own show. <laughs> that's why it's the number one rated game show. All right. This is word number three. Is this fake or is it real? Ferritivity. The act of a business of ferrets being troublesome. Ferritivity. <laughs> oh, man. See, uh, yeah, you had me for a minute. The, what? The, the act of fe- ferrets doing business? The act of a business of ferrets, uh, a group of ferrets is called a business, ah. being troublesome. Ferritivity all right i'm just gonna say that's real that's gotta be real right Ooh, that is a fake one i made up last night and i was really proud of this one because i was like i freaking nailed this he's not gonna be able to guess this
1: the thing is is that it so possibly could be real <laughs> right i would not be surprised if this were a real word like
0: all of these if i was in your shoes i would just say they're all real just to play safe, <laughs> right all right one for two two incorrect answers halfway to that dreaded Shredded Applebee's card. I need to get all of them right. Word number four: real or fake? Selena Fila, a deep fondness for the moon. Selena Fila. Well, just to play it safe, I think I'm going to say that's real. But
1: I'm feeling like. It would have to start with Luna something in there, but let's we'll just say it's real.
0: This is a real word. Yes, congratulations. You might not know this, but a lot of listeners know I'm a huge fan of Selena Gomez. So maybe the people listening at home probably thought this was a Selena Gomez reference. Well, that was my first thought. How how do you spell that one? S e l e n o p h i l i a. Selena Philia.
1: Okay. All right. We are
0: word number five. It's getting it's getting tough here, man. It's we're getting into that pressure situation. You're on the hot seat. Word number five: real or fake? Rome Rhombustable: Rome an item whose dimensions can allow it to fit into a shape with four identical length sides. Rhombustable. Okay. Please spell that one. R H O M B U S T A. B-L-E. There's no way that you could have made this one up. So I'm going to say this is a real word. I'm I'm happy m- myself that I made up another fake word that sounds so real. This is a complete mm. fake word, Spencer. You are <sighs> incorrect. And I think that's three incorrects, right? Yeah. This is why there's always a, a second person on the game show to keep track of these things. All right. We are to the last word... Of today's episode. So if you get this last one wrong, you're getting two Applebee's gift cards. (laughs) Oh, well now, see, I have incentive to (laughs) be wrong. So now you have incentive to possibly be wrong, more gifts for your enemy. Yeah. Or, you know what? If you get this one right, I won't send you an Applebee's gift card. You won't win the car that's in the studio that is real, listeners. But you won't get the Applebee's gift card. I'll I'll, I'll split it there. That's fair. Perfectly (laughs) fair. Word number six. Spencer, is this word real or fake? Fablorious. The feeling of being both fabulous and glorious simultaneously. <laughs> fablorious. Uh I I have to say I love words like
1: this, even though they can be often very dumb. Um like what I, I made up one ginomongous, which is very weird. It's ginormous and humongous. Ginomon, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, ginormous, I think, is already a combination of enormous and gigantic, gigantic yeah. probably. So um, yeah, words like this are great. This one's fablorious. Fablorious. Well, I think it should be real, even if it's fake. So whatever we can do to make it real, if it is not already real, we got to make that happen. So I'm going to just say it is real because
0: I want it to be real. You know what? You're ending up a loser. But just by <laughs> what you said there, you're a winner inside all of our hearts. Fablorious is not a real mm. word. It's a fake word. But I 100% agree with you. We need to find a way to make this word real. I'm feeling fablorious. <laughs> well, that's another Excellent. episode within an episode of the hit Game Show that airs during that weird time before the end of winter winter and start spring, Uh, some people call it third winter. Is this a word or is it just something I overheard at a theater of the absurd? Catch us next time when we have on the machine formerly known as Watson to ask if it knows how to get lit and troll some woke hipsters with dabbing on the haters. Oh boy, I'm excited. See you next time, folks. All right, before we move on, myself and Water Cooler Talk are on a mission to help get back to different parts. That was like a a weird energy change, but I'm going with it. it. The community and those who have helped build our show to where it stands today. For each new episode of the podcast, the guests will bring with them a charity of their choice to represent. On the day of their episode going live, Water Cooler Talk will give a donation to the charity in honor of the guests, as well as a global platform to, to help spread a message of love, hope, and togetherness. And we hope you listening to this episode can join in to help spread their message to your own personal Audience, Spencer, your charity of choice for today's episode is the Cat Cade Chicago. Do you mind explaining a bit about what they do, especially with some adorable cats uh, I saw on their website, and why they're a worthy cause?
1: Yeah, I, I probably won't give all the details or all the details correctly, but basically, they are a uh, they're a cat rescue place in Chicago that I have never been able to visit. Uh,
0: just and they're like a cat cafe as well.
1: I don't even know if it's a cafe. It is is literally an arcade. Okay, it is an arcade with actual arcade games with cats roaming around they are currently so the way that things used to work before there was a pandemic is that you would schedule a time uh, I think it was maybe 10 or 15 dollars and you would be there for 30 minutes or an hour and you could play games and play with the cats and whatever you want we were never able to make that happen and then of course a pandemic happened and they're you know they're not allowing people to come in and do all that but they do still rescue cats and, you know, take care of their medical situations, and uh, so they are a very good place to support. I, I always get really nervous when I'm asked to pick a charity because there are so many causes that I feel very strongly about, but I, I tend to go with the animal side. My wife and I are both, you know, ethically vegans, and so we, we are very, uh, feel very strongly about um, helping out the animals, and so, you know, the Catcade, you know, cats Arcade games, you you can't go it's, wrong. With it's that. the
0: perfect mix. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a dog person, so I'd say dogs, but yeah, I mean we can debate sure. that on another time. <laughs> well, maybe if they do well enough to, they can start a dogcade. Or maybe we just cut that out of the episode, we start up a business of our own. <laughs> Good luck with that. All right, Spencer, are you ready to jump into our final news story of the episode? Yeah, I guess so. This is from Westward Law Enforcement, August third, 2020. Colorado Springs sued for declaring war on the word fuck. If you only learn one thing today, let that one thing be that Michael Sexton isn't a favorite among authorities in Colorado Springs. For a second time, yes that's right, a second time in 2020, Michael sued the city and its police department for violating his constitutional rights. The first complaint was prompted by an incident in which he twice flipped off an officer, the first time while the officer was driving past, and the second time while being cited for jaywalking by that same officer moments later. And the second complaint involves Michael being arrested after criticizing a group of officers saying the popular NWA catchphrase, fuck the police, after noticing them setting up a speed trap, the latter exchange being captured on video for Michael's YouTube channel. Well, hey there, listener. This is editing Adam ed. jumping in for what I think might be the first time ever. So, in a way, this is this is kind of a special moment you and I are sharing together. Take that as you may. I've already I've already lit some candles here. But anyways, I'm about to play a two-minute clip from Michael Sexton's YouTube video on which this news article Spencer and I are going to talk about is built around. The entire video is about 50 minutes. Don't worry, you don't have to watch through the 50 minutes. I'm not asking you to watch through a 50-minute video because I already did. Of course, at two speed because I'm not crazy. Don't, Don't worry. But I wanted to preface the clip by recommending for you to also try and consume a bit of the video. It's included in the link in the description and the actual video is embedded in the article, the interaction that this conversation is built around starts at about 18 to 19 minutes. But, and Spencer and I actually talk about this a bit more, in the episode, but meaning can be drastically different between just audio to video with audio to actually be in there in person. As I mentioned, the video is about 50 minutes long and like, like seriously, 20 minutes is just him, Michael Sexton in the back of the police car with nothing happening but I wanted to at least jump in and give more context to this clip that I included. I do do really hope that I built up enough goodwill and trust that you believe the two minute clip I choose to include summarizes the situation as best as possible and sheds kind of a light on the actions of both sides fairly, but I have biases as well. I try to remain unbiased as possible when reporting the story, but I always have biases, they leak through. It just happens. Because for instance, towards the end of the included clip Michael is arrested and audio only, it doesn't it doesn't sound great, but watching the video as well, at least in my opinion, it seems like there's some quote overacting once again my opinion. Another one of my opinions, as I'll share a little later, I believe Michael to be an asshole. But I also believe you shouldn't be arrested just for being an asshole. So anyways, I just wanted to do a quick sidebar with you before playing the audio-only clip that I'm going to include. So enjoy Michael's YouTube video of him getting arrested and yelling, fuck the police.
2: Okay, sir, we're going to ask you to stand over there. If you don't, you're interfering. I'm not dance, standing. I'm like standing you. on the sidewalk okay. right here, which is far enough away from both of those traffic stops to be hey, lawfully recording in public sir, and recording sir, police sir. in the course of their duties. Sir, so back up and go to work. I'm more than happy to have you stand here and yell however yelling the word fuck like that is coarse or offensive language if you want to use do you want to lose in do you want to lose in court do you really want to take that to court and lose in court i'm 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 saying i'm asking you a question do you want let me finish what i was saying I'm more than happy to let you stand out here and express yourself and say that you have a displeasure of the police. However, there are guidances along that. You're more than welcome to stand here and vocalize that (sighs) by yelling, fuck the police and stuff like that out here. It's Uh, been won in Supreme Court. Fuck the police. And it's been won in Supreme Court. So, do you want to go to court and lose? Do you want to go to court and lose? Because that will not hold up in federal court. Thank you. Supreme Court will slap that in your face. Thank you. I don't give a fuck. Your state ordinance does not trump the federal laws. Okay? I have an ID wherever I want. No, you cannot. Am I being detained? Are you being detained? Hey, whoa, I'm going to... They're detaining me. They're detaining me. I do not consent to search... Call CSPD! Uh, call CSPD! Yeah, sir. Michael, call CSPD! We're good. We're good. Call Just CSPD now! Film it from right there. Do not We're turn bad. off my, do not turn off my camera! Do not, th- that's hurting my wrist, dude. Call CSPD! They're detaining me unlawfully. Is this CSPD? Yeah, I'm saying call. Uh, uh, now I'm under arrest? The peace, yes. Disturbing the peace. In- Disorderly conduct. Disorderly conduct. Disorderly conduct,
0: okay? Michael's YouTube channel is filled with uh, a slew of similar videos in which he records his many police interactions in ways that can be Seen as provocative, but as indicated by his remarks through his catalog and catalog of videos, there's a lot of videos on there, he has a keen understanding of free speech law, which his second lawsuit of 2020 underscores, by way of an introductory passage that references 1971's Cohen versus California, in which the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that Paul Cohen wasn't guilty of disturbing the peace simply for arriving at a courthouse wearing a jacket emblazoned with the phrase, fuck the draft. The Supreme Court found that displaying a mere four-letter word was not sufficient to allow states to restrict free speech, and that free speech can be restricted only under severe circumstances. The ruling set a precedent used in future cases concerning the power of states to regulate free speech in order to maintain public civility. The inductory passage of Michael's lawsuit continues by stating, Plaintiff Michael Sexton was subjected to a humiliating arrest for simply saying the four-letter word that the Supreme Court of the United States held over 50 years ago in Cohen, that being Cohen versus California, which we just mentioned, is protected by the First Amendment. Fuck. The state has no right to cleanse public debate to the point where it's grammatically palatable to the most squeamish among us. For, while the particular four-letter word being litigated here is perhaps more distasteful than most others of its genre, it is nevertheless often true—this is a beautiful sentence, by the way—that one man's vulgarity— is another's lyric. Michael's attorney, Andrew McNulty, not that McNulty from The Wire for any Wire fans out there, uh, contends that there is little separating authoritarian regimes and Colorado Springs when it comes to censoring individuals for criticizing the government. The First Amendment is under attack in Colorado Springs, and citizens like Mr. Sexton, who are willing to stand up for the rights, are the only bulwark against Colorado Springs' repeated tyranny. A lot of tyranny happening there in Colorado Springs, listeners. Uh, there is an update to this story. Well, not kind of an update, but as of December 27th, 2020, there is no update to Michael's latest lawsuit. I haven't been able to find any such information in the two, three months that we've been here in 2021. So, if listeners, if you find any update, please let me know. So, here here's kind of a story where it's tough to be in support of free speech and people like Michael Sexton? I mean, is he probably an ass who causes more problems than there needs to be? I mean, based on what I've been able to find out about him watching a few of his videos on YouTube, it sounds like, at least in my opinion, that he he kind of is, but... When it comes to free speech and supporting the First Amendment as a U.S. citizen, if you're in support of people saying their piece and, you know, protesting for important causes, you kind of also have to be in support of people like Michael Sexton. Right. He's an ass in my eyes, but he's in his legal rights to be an ass. There's always that other side to the coin. Bad comes with the good. Mm -hmm. I mean, based on this Cohen versus California ruling by the Supreme Court. Saying fuck or saying fuck the police should not get you arrested. So, you know, should you flip off a police officer or yell fuck the police for no good reason? Probably not. I I wouldn't personally, you know, but regardless of how we view police in the world, it's just a societal good progress or good practice to be nice to one another but you can agree, you can agree or disagree with what michael saxon did but the police did overreact in both of these situations arresting somebody for just saying the word fuck or fuck the police or flipping off a police officer you know you, you i i understand you're in a tough job as a police officer but you're responsible for always being that bigger person in a situation regardless of what's happening in that situation, you're responsible for keeping that peace, for enforcing the law, for being that bigger person. I don't agree with what Michael Sexton and his way about going about these things, but I do agree he should not be punished for those actions. He,
1: he definitely seems like he's um, putting himself in certain situations that he knows— I, I I don't know. I, obviously, I don't know a lot about this guy, but it seems like he's maybe either putting himself in situations or knowingly not getting out of situations mm. just to prove a point, which I agree with you as well. I think that these are good points. These are things that should be discussed. Um, and you know, he shouldn't be getting in trouble for just saying some words. Uh, he, he's pushing the line. Yes, he, you know, he's fi- or he's finding where that line is. Uh, he's going over the line. He's pushing the limits. And I think we need people like that. I wouldn't do that. Like I don't think you would either. Uh, I would not feel comfortable saying "fuck the police" in front of in front of the police. But just saying it doesn't mean that you're
0: going to do something about that. No, I definitely, you know, this Michael Saxon character, like I said, I'm not going to promote his YouTube channel. But anyways, he has he has a good slew of very similar videos. And mm-hmm. people like you or I, we're not going out into situations looking for these confrontations. Or like, I think you said it perfectly. If these confrontations happen, we're not pushing it to the level of like, I know the law. And I know exactly where I stand. I think it's good to know the law. And I think especially in today's day and age, it's so important to film stuff just to have that evidence Mm -hmm. but there's there's this level of filming it just to film it and be safe in a situation and filming something to be provocative and you know kind of like that early youtube prankster humor you know just to be kind of a jerk just to be a jerk i think we both agree on this and correct me if i'm wrong on that but we both agree he is within his rights to do all these things. And you should not be punished for doing those things. But that still doesn't mean you're not a jerk for doing those things.
1: It, and it is a very fine line. Um, and, and it's totally up for interpretation, which is obviously part of the problem is that the police officer interprets, interprets it one way, and he and the court interpret it another way. Uh, and so yeah, it's, it's really, really difficult. And as a white man, I, I actually feel pretty safe in doing a lot of things, which is... Fortunate for me, but unfortunate for a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. That's not how that should be. But you know that if I say one thing that's sort of on the border, there's a really good chance that I'm not going to get in trouble for that. And somebody with a different skin color says the same thing. And there's a pretty good chance that they are going to get in trouble for that. And that's fucked up. The the fact that he has a YouTube channel, <laughs> and I don't know what's on there.
0: I haven't looked. And this is his second lawsuit, second lawsuit of last year. The
1: second. So how many were even before that? Probably more. Off to, I'll have to
0: look up and find. He that.
1: definitely seems like the kind of guy who is looking to to bring out these situations. I wouldn't do it. But good good for him. I, I, I and I really hope I mean it seems like you know, it went to the Supreme Court. Was this the state Supreme Court?
0: The it, the, uh, the the court case in nineteen seventy one, Cohen versus California went to the Supreme Court. In this case, the the Michael, the or the um, his attorney, Andrew McNulty, is using that court case as president mm-hmm. on why he shouldn't be charged. That's that's insane. I mean, this guy has a history I don't know. I think it's just fascinating. I I really like your point about how this Michael Sexton character individual, he is rocking the boat, but sometimes you need people to rock the boat to kind of shine a light on, hey, being a police officer is about keeping the peace and enforcing the laws. And part of about keeping the peace is not overreacting in a situation. Like in all these situations, we expect the police to be the bigger person. And so I, I do agree with you. I think, you know, Michael Sexton being able to kind of rock the boat a bit and say, hey, these uh, these police officers in Colorado Springs, they might have a a, a, a twitchy twir- trigger finger, a, a twitchy uh, handcuff <laughs> yes, finger. Yes, no one was shot in this situation, luckily enough. Yeah,
1: it's this obviously gets into the whole conversation about defund the police. That is a um, a massive conversation. When I first heard about that being brought up last year, I guess it was. You know, my gut reaction was like, what are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense. But then as I heard more people describing what it would actually entail, I was like, yeah, I am all for this. For one, they can take the money that and let me be clear, this does not mean getting rid of the police altogether. This just means Don't fund them as much as they are. You know, it's almost like the military. You know, maybe the people aren't being paid as much as they deserve. That's a whole separate issue. But the police should not be dealing with every single type of issue that they are currently dealing with. They're spread too thin. Way too thin. There are, and we've seen it countless times, especially even just last year, where it should be a, uh, a social worker, say who goes in to take care of an issue, somebody who's trained to deal with these people, to deal with the possible mental issues that they have, whatever whatever the proper term for that would be. And police are trained in a certain way, and they are not trained to deal with most of the situations that they are going into. That is where the defund comes in. Don't pay them to deal with those. Pay other people to deal with those. Now, the other side of it is... You can take that money that you are saving, you know, the the, the social workers are already getting paid, you know, that's in whatever, wherever they work, they're already getting paid. So you take the money that you're saving from defunding the police, and you put it into neighborhoods that need it, to the schools that need it, to prevention, to prevent people from getting into situations in the first place now that's obviously not going to fix all the problems but it's going to vastly limit what the police are called to in the first place especially after this has been implemented for years and then you get social workers to come in where they need it and then for the real issues you have the police deal with that in the proper manner that they are trained to also give them more training
0: (laughs) i i As you know, we talked about this issue when the Reels Back was on, but I'm very in support of the police. I'm also in support of equal rights uh, across the board. But I 100% agree with you. Police are spread way too thin. You're trying to do things that you're not necessarily trained in. And then we get situations that happen that shouldn't happen because you shouldn't be there or someone else should be handling the situation. Police need to earn these budgets. You can't just give people millions and billions of dollars if they don't earn it. You know, that's one of the things talking about the COVID relief bill. It's like, hey, as long as we know where all this money's going, and it's being spent in the way it's supposed to be spent. Like I'm fine with all this money being spent, and when it comes to police and the military, we have to make sure that the money being spent is spent in good ways that are productive. You know, I don't know why there's not more you know budget uh, administrations that keep track of these things. I I understand situations. I don't I don't agree with it, and I don't think it's okay. But I understand where police are spread really thin. I I I've gotten in situations where you know I'm driving on the the, the highway and someone cuts me off, and I'm like. Oh, fuck this person, man. Fuck this person. When really, they probably didn't even know they did that. So I think it's important to always understand that just because you're having a shitty day doesn't mean you have to react to the world in a shitty way.
1: There there's that's the empathy. empathy. You know, we all need more empathy. You don't know what somebody is going through. You don't know what's going on in their mind. And and I do want to be clear because you you did say it. uh, And I want to I have to agree with you. I support the police. I I am not one of those people who's like, get rid of the police altogether, they're not worth anything. They clearly are worth something and should be around. I don't want people to... Think that I or you or other people are not supportive of the police. We are. Yes. But we need a change. We need a huge yes. change. The
0: system needs to change. It can't keep working the same way it's been working. I, I live in Minneapolis where George Floyd happened, where Philando Castile happened. These things happened years apart, but it was it's the same conversation we're happening. Nothing's really changing. So there has to be a big change to the system. People who say, you know, fuck all police. I don't, I don't support that because we've even seen here in Minneapolis, now that there's less police crime has gone up. Obviously, there's also the implication of it being COVID and everyone's at home and money is tight, but crime has gone up. So I, yes, you can still support the police, but also question it. If you're someone who voted for Biden, it's taken this long to get the stimulus passed. You know, they're having bombings in Syria. They're not bombing Syrian civilians. They're bombing Iranian backed militias. You're, just because you're a president or just because you're a police doesn't mean I can't question what you're doing, but also still support you. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, this system. Was built how many years ago when things were that way? <laughs> that's that's the police, and that's so many systems. You know, we need to get with the times. We need to update as society and as culture changes and updates and evolves. You know, just because we did things that way doesn't mean we need to keep on doing them again mm-hmm. that way, or still do them that way. Uh, and yeah, we're we're at a point where we drastically need changes in lots and lots of systems that are in place in our
0: society. Do you think, kind of going to our, our first discussion with IBM Watson, do you think language, the system of language, needs to change? You know, like what is your take on just offensive language in general? You know, do you find a word like fuck offensive? I
1: don't. Fuck, 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 fuck. Let's say it all the time. <laughs> what makes a word offensive is you. Oh, interesting. Not you, Adam, but you whoever you are you are the only one who's going to choose whether or not a word is offensive to you it's your we bring it back to opinion it's your opinion on what that word means to you nothing means anything until you put your own thoughts on it until you you put your own opinion on it there's a great six episode series on netflix about swear words okay offensive words uh, hosted by Nick Cage with other comedians <laughs> thrown out it's it's great and i actually really wish i would have watched rewatched it before this
0: yeah i'll have to watch it after yeah
1: they're you know they're like 20 25 minutes each and there's only six of them so you can get through it quick and nick cage is of course the the most perfect person to uh to host this thing <laughs> um, but it it's so great because it goes through the history of the words where they came from and how they evolved over the years, I mean, of course, they've, they're they all at least one or 200 years old, if not more. And they're just words. They're just words. I mean, I, I actually deal with this in my in my podcast. I mean, I'm barely into the seas and I have already come across multiple words, things that you wouldn't even think of that are not kid friendly quote unquote not kid friendly even though my podcast is kid friendly it does
0: it does take me back to like the days of a young young kid looking up bad words in the dictionary yeah, and trying yes. to find like the worst word that's not like fuck or bitch or right. ass or yeah
1: what what can you find in the book and um it's uh, and i and i when i
0: get to them i say these are just words. If you give them the power of being offensive, yeah. then they become offensive. Right. Like the word fuck. I think fuck is like one of the best words ever. It, it can is. be used in so many different contexts. But say if a, you were talking about advertisers before we started recording, if an advertiser came to me and said, Adam, we'll advertise the show for you, but you have to bleep out every time you say fuck. I'll be like, well, I don't think that's off. offensive. Exactly. Fuck off. I might say it a little more positively, but I'm not going to do that because I don't think that word's offensive the way I'm using it. If I was like, you know fuck you Spencer you're a piece of crap then it might be offensive but the way we've been using it in this conversation it's not offensive it's a part of the conversation we're having and it's important that hey this word should not be offensive because look how these police reacted to this word because they took it as offensive right. and now this guy got arrested twice before saying it but then this brings up the question of the intention behind it
1: right the The word the word fuck is great first of all we have to we have to say that again You could, that word cannot <laughs> be said enough I, I actually this might
0: be the episode with the most the mentions <laughs> of fuck.
1: Great. <laughs> good. I'm glad. I'm very good with tangents. So here's another one. Uh, when I was in high school, my dad found out about a phone number. ...that you could call and it would just be a recording of this very proper old guy... ...he could have even been British for all I know... ...speaking very eloquently about the word fuck and how it could be used in all these different ways. It can be a noun, it can be a verb, it can be an adjective. As somebody eventually took that audio and made it an animation about it or of it... ...so you can probably find it on YouTube... I had to say that because I was my brain my brain was blown <laughs> when I found out when I listened to this thing it was great. Anyway, so there's your in, there's your opinion on whether or not the word is offensive or not. You could say, oh, Spencer, what the fuck? How you doing?" you know? Mm-hmm. That's not offensive. I'm not going to take it offensive. But there are people who would take that offensively. They're, "Oh, that's a bad word. You shouldn't say that." But then like you said, if you say "fuck you, I hate your guts," There's, there's a bad intention there's behind some, that.
0: Yeah, there's an intention to make it offensive, to make it hateful.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and so, you know, this guy, Michael Sexton, may have had that intention behind it, but, you know, did it just end there? It probably just ended there. You know, if you take it to the next level of trying to fight the guy or whatever that might be, that's when you got some problems. There, you know, there's a big difference between hate speech, free speech... You know, what, what is that line of hate speech? Uh, I saw some video about that a long time ago, and I can't remember the details, but just saying, fuck the police... I I don't think that that takes it to that level. Um, Well,
0: I mean, probably the best example, the N word. I mean, John Mulaney has a perfect joke for it. It's like the worst word is probably the word you can't actually say because, you know, it has that connotation of being used by a certain group. Let's say the KKK using that word, using the hard R and then taking the action to potentially lynch someone because of how you felt about them like that is taking a word and changing its power to be hateful to be offensive whereas like you said you know if you're just saying fuck the police to fuck the police i mean that's not bad or not as bad oh
1: yeah no it's it, they're in incomparable and i guess i'm sure that there are some people who who feel so strongly about the word fuck or the phrase fuck the police that You know, they would be terribly offended by that. They're not gonna love this episode. No, and I they probably But they probably don't listen to (laughs) this podcast anyway. So But I hope they listen (laughs) to mine. No. Um (laughs) The dictionary podcast, it is for kids. It is, it's very family friendly. But yeah, that other word, I mean, that's you can't you can't argue with the fact that that is I mean, it's the intention is built into the word, into Mm -hmm. when it was I mean I I'm no history scholar, so I could be wrong to at a certain extent, but I think I'm mostly right in the reason why the word was originally invented was to be hateful, to be negative, you know, to talk about a group of people that you didn't like. It was there from the beginning. The intention was there from the beginning. But on the other side, people have taken that word and only they can use it in a certain way. And
0: it's used more for power now. It's kind of flipping the meaning of it.
1: Yes, yes. But it has it's a very specific situation by a very specific group of people who, who can do that. I would not be allowed to use that probably. I don't think so. Um, and I'm fine with that. I have no need to
0: use that word. But I think also inflection matters as well, you know, oh, how you yes. put your, you know, inflection on these words, something like fuck. Even though it's a four-letter word, there's so many different ways you can say it. There's so many different ways it can be meant, and it's like I mean I think we both agree it's a very beautiful word. It is. And yeah, that I mean the,
1: the that that brings up the issue of when you when you text with somebody or an email
0: there's no inflection in there whatsoever. As, as a very sarcastic person, like first time texting a new person or someone you're dating, it's it's a tough road. You got to be really,
1: really careful. Yes. My my sense of humor doesn't often come across when I'm just talking with somebody anyway, but when it's in text form, it's that much harder to get across a joke. And yes, I'm also very sarcastic and you got to be really, really careful. Mm-hmm. That That's why I do actually really like emojis because... I can I can throw in something I can throw in a smiley face or a winky face uh, while it's cheesy and I feel like sometimes a thirteen year old girl when I use them but it helps bring that that's where the inflection comes in you can't literally see my face but I'm saying that in a sarcastic way there should be a sarcastic font I've always said exactly
0: or you know even adding like ha ha or lol yeah, to yeah. a sentence completely changes what that sentence means it takes it from potentially something serious to be like oh, this is kind of serious, but ha Right, right. Yeah, in, inflection is
1: hugely important, and, and we lose that a lot with a lot of this, by, by everything just being text-based, um, we lose that. You know, Even most of my podcasts, when I have a guest on, I do audio only. I, I don't do video, but I know... That we're on video now, even though people aren't going to see that. We're on video now, and it completely changes the conversation. Yes. you can talk to somebody audio only, and it's fine, it's good. I, I've made really good connections with people from that. But when you can see the face, too, not just hear the sound, but when you can see what they're what they look like, the eye movements, all of it, it, it just takes it to another level. Um, and so it, it, I mean. Language is so difficult as it is. But then when you have all these factors, and then on top of even that, you've got what's going on in my brain? What's going on in your brain? How do you mean it? How am I interpreting it? Every single statement, I have to actually say, I've thought about this a lot. Every single statement can always be interpreted at least two different ways, often more than that. Mm, I love that. And my wife and I have this issue often she interprets things one way, because that's how her brain works, and I interpret things uh, usually the opposite way, <laughs> because that's how my brain works. Communication is really important in a relationship, and it's really important with interacting with people all over the place. You have to be aware, it brings us back to empathy, you have to be aware that the way that you're interpreting it, that was highly eloquent, the way that you're <laughs> interpreting it um, is maybe not right. It's worth saying to the person, did you mean it this way, or did you mean it that way? Because how I'm going to react to that is going to be dependent on
0: your answer. Even sometimes like when I'm editing back an episode, I'll listen to what I'm saying and I'll be like, Adam, what are you saying? (laughs) It makes sense to me. But like you said, to someone else, it might not make sense. Like someone could take our words, say about supporting the police, but also questioning the police and be like, well, I think these guys actually hate the police. So I'm a police officer. Fuck them but really we're very clear that you know we support the police but we also are questioning that they need to be better. We all need to be better. And I'm glad you kind of brought up the podcast thing as well, because it does add this whole other layer when you can see faces, when you can, you know, react in real time. Because another thing about texting is you can react whenever, you know, when I first started doing remote podcasts, I did a few audio only. And I was like, this is just a totally different feel. And then I got to video and I was like, this is a lot better. But even like when you're speaking in the same room with someone, like I literally miss the breath or the the heat of someone's breath while you're talking to them or the, just the smell of someone like all these things add to a conversation, they add context, and they make just a conversation flow better. Because I usually we contacted through email, but like so many things can get lost in email. Like I had a we had to move the recording of the episode because I had a plumbing issue. And I was like, Oh, I hope this guy just doesn't think I'm pulling his chain and fucking around with him. I'm gonna delay it again until next week. But there's so many things that can get lost. And now being able to talk face to face. I mean, I've You may disagree, but hopefully you agree. I think we've been able to have an amazing hour and a half conversation.
1: Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you. It'll be an hour to the
0: listeners, but we've been talking a
1: lot than that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But that, I I keep on thinking of things. Then, you know, what about blind people who can't see? What about deaf people who can't (laughs) hear the inflection? Good point, good point. Like, they see the world in a completely different way that people who can see and people who can hear— and and they, they have a completely different view of the world because of that one thing. Uh, I don't know. I just find all this stuff super fascinating. Well,
0: I mean, that kind of wraps it up perfectly. It goes back to kind of the point about empathy. You know, everyone sees the world in such a different way. You know, Michael Sexton's going to see the world a certain way. His lawyer, Andrew McNulty, is going to see the world a certain way. These cops are going to see the world a certain way. And just like as we move forward, just having more empathy for one another and being like, hey, I may be having the best situation ever, but this other person may have lost their mom today. They may have lost their dog. They may have, you know, just went bankrupt. Horrible day for this person. Sorry, person who's... (laughs) Wow, that's a blues song right there. Country (laughs) blues. But you're always in this situation. I firmly believe you're always in the situation in this world where somebody's having it better than you and somebody's having it worse. Mm. And to find that empathy to find the empathy in between those two people and just just be a good person. I
1: agree. Is, is this a good time for me to close out the show actually?
0: We're almost there, but uh, we, we'll end we'll end this this story. Spencer, thank you for taking the time to share your perspective on some of the strangest and most interesting news stories the world has to offer in a productive and meaningful conversation. Listeners, if you'd like to give Spencer's show The Dictionary Podcast a listen, you can do so by heading to at dictionarypod on Instagram or Twitter. Once again, that's at dictionarypod for Instagram and Twitter. Twitter. The podcast is also available on all major podcast listening platforms. So wherever you are listening to this episode of Water Cooler Talk right now, you should be able to find Spencer's show, uh, The Dictionary Podcast. And of course, to make it easier for you, those links will be included in the description of this episode and on our website for Spencer's episode, www.watercoolertalkpod.com. But before we go, before we get to the end, we can't have an episode about words and just phrases and everything like that without at least asking you Your favorite and least favorite word. So, Spencer, what is your favorite and least favorite word? I think I have a clue what your favorite word might be, but you could surprise me.
1: So, okay, favorite and least favorite, um, you know, these are very hard questions that you're hitting me with. No easy questions here. No easy questions. Why should there be? I'm
0: not going to waste my time on easy questions. <laughs> no,
1: <laughs> you know, it, it may these may or may not be my least or most favorite words. Uh, just like you know, what's
0: your favorite movie? I don't know. It's this big fish. Big fish. Everyone's favorite movie is big fish. Is it your? Okay,
1: that's a good one. It's a good one. You know, it's not the best one, but it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, let's see. Well, okay. So I mean, obviously, because we've been talking about it, I'm just going to say "fuck" is my favorite word because it is. One of, if not the most versatile word. Um, I'm actually really looking forward to when I get to that in the dictionary because I'm pretty sure it's in the dictionary.
0: It is. I've, when I was a youngling, I found Uh, it. So
1: that's going to be a fun episode. I might have to see if I can get a special guest for that. Isn't there some actor? Maybe, uh, maybe I can get Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson. That would be a big gift. That would be awesome. Um, my least favorite word, uh, I, I'm terrible with coming up with things on the spot.
0: Here, I'll ask you this to make it easier. Where do you stand on words like damp and moist? I
1: was literally thinking of the word moist. Okay, I... I... I kind of love the word moist, actually. Part partly just because people hate it so much. <laughs> uh, same with damp, although it's not nearly not nearly as yeah. bad as moist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember there was I had a couple coworkers, one in particular who was adamant about hating the word moist, and I just thought it was hilarious. Um, I met a guy on a train once years ago who's who was a DJ uh, in Chicago, maybe I don't know, and his DJ name was DJ Moist, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> Um, so I, I kind of love the word moist just because of that, but it does, it does bring up some, some weird feelings, whatever you might think of, um, which I'm perfectly fine with, but most be, that's why most people don't like it. I, I, I don't know. Do you have any other good suggestions?
0: I'm not a fan of Wednesday just because why is it spelled like that?
1: Right. Why don't we say Wednesday? Oh my God. <laughs> exactly. in, in the show friends, um, Joey has this great thing where he's like the third day all right monday Uh one day tuesday two day wednesday when huh what day thursday (laughs) the third day okay (laughs) thank you so wednesday it's like what what the fuck day is that what's going on yeah wednesday I, i know that there's there's a word that i just don't like and i know as soon as we get off the conversation here i'm gonna think of it so maybe I'll email you if I if I think of it before this episode If you think of it, airs. I
0: will title the, the 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 title of this episode that word. If you think about it before <laughs> Tuesday, okay, I will I will put some thought into this because <laughs> I know that there's one that
1: I hate. I just cannot think of it right now. I must not hate it that bad, I guess.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, as always, thank you to all my listeners for listening to another episode of Water Cooler Talk, the only such podcast on the internet hosted by myself and guest hosted today by Spencer, where we take the strangest and most interesting real life news stories from around the world and just try and have a good old conversation about some of the ideas discussed in those bizarre news stories. Now we are to the end of the show, Spencer, where I hand off the show to the guest of the day to close out the show however you see fit. The floor is yours. Thank you. Well, I
1: will just briefly sort of replug uh, the Dictionary Podcast. It's just called The Dictionary. Um, It's just a place where I literally read the dictionary, basically word for word, and I put in my stupid jokes and... My own personal comments about things, and it's not for everybody, but I think it's a lot of fun, and I think you will learn a lot, because I sure have. And episodes post every single day, Monday, Sunday through Saturday, every day. They're short, like 15 minutes. Um, And then my wife has a podcast called Whores Talk Horror. They just like wordplay. It's funny. They talk about (laughs) horror movies, and true crime, and the paranormal, and creepy stuff. And uh, it's my wife and her friend, and they have a lot of fun. And you might hear my voice sometimes. That's that, but what I really want to say is um, what we were talking about with empathy. I, I feel like one of my goals in life is to bring more, this is like the cheesiest fucking thing, but <laughs> I, I feel very strongly about it, is to bring more love and compassion and empathy into the world. However I can do that, I will do that, but I have learned in all of my years on this planet that... Uh, it's kind of the most important thing, uh, helping other people, being aware of what's going on in their life, not being so selfish, not assuming that you know what's going on in their life or in their brain, like you were saying before, uh, having some empathy. Uh, you know, if you really start to think about it, you can have have empathy for anybody, literally anybody. And so th- that's really just what I want to say is just in whatever way you can, help people around you, bring happiness to other people. You know, they're just as important as you are. Love, have compassion for everybody and and be empathetic. That's all I got to say.
0: Well, I, I appreciate those words. I appreciate you having it on the show. You know, I very much appreciate the conversation. So thank you for that. I will give you the coveted you are more than welcome back for another episode whenever, you know, it works into the schedule. But uh, I appreciate this conversation. So thank you for that. Thank you for that. Uh, all right, listeners, until next time. Peace. This is the story of a podcast that takes weird news from across the world. And while many of these stories may seem fake, they're absolutely not. Because they're real. Oh boy, that was an episode. Now you're probably wondering, Adam, I was going to listen to the corrections, but what's going on right now? And I'm here to tell you one thing, listener. I have a, I have a short clip from Spencer's podcast, The Dictionary, that I'm going to place right here. Yeah. That's what happens when another podcast is on the show, listener. We share a little clip of their podcast, but this is the first time I'm actually introducing it. So, without further ado, this is a short clip from the Dictionary Podcast, available wherever podcasts are available. Why am I angry about this? I don't know. Just listen to the damn clip. Next is Castile Soup. Uh,
1: Castile is C-A-S-T-I-L-E. Two words, noun from the 15th century. It is often capitalized. A fine, hard, bland soap. Oh, I misread this. It's soap, not soup. Some of you were probably like, I've never heard of Castile soup, but I've heard of Castile soap. So why did they make soup out of soap? Soup out of soap. And I don't know. I got to come up with something. Uh, So it is a fine, hard, bland soap. I mean, why does it have to be bland? Are you eating it? No, if it was a soup, you would eat it, but it's soap, so you're not eating soap. It doesn't matter if it's bland. Uh, Okay, third time's the charm. A fine, hard, bland soap made from olive oil and sodium hydroxide. Also, any of various similar soaps. Castile soap. This is from uh, Castile, which means Castile. Um, Is that a a place, a location? They make this soap in Castile, probably... um, But it is fine. It is a fine soap.
0: And it is also bland. What an episode. What a guest. What a time. Thank you again to Spencer for remotely joining us in the studio to talk about those bizarre news stories. As always, make sure to support Spencer's charity of choice, the Cat K Chicago, where, you know, if you want to hang out with cats and you also want to play old school arcade games, it's the place to be. Once the pandemic (laughs) eases up, of course, all it takes is $5, price of a coffee or sharing their mission with another person around the water cooler, wherever those pesky water coolers may be. Remember, don't share your water cup, at least not yet. Just wait it out a little bit longer. But anyways, to the corrections. During the first conversation discussing IBM Watson becoming an edgy teen due to Urban Dictionary, the movie mentioned by Spencer, AI Artificial Intelligence, was released in 2001 starring Haley Joel Osment and Jude Law, and actually received generally positive reviews, even being nominated for Best Visual Effects and Best Score at the 74th Academy Awards. The official synopsis for the movie reads, a robotic boy, the first program to love, David, played by Haley Joe Osmond, is adopted as a test case by his Cybertronics employee Sam Robards and his wife Frances O'Connor, but although he gradually becomes their child, a series of unexpected circumstances make this life impossible for David. Without final acceptance by humans or machines, David embarks on a journey to discover where he truly begins, uncovering a world in which the line between robot and machine is both vast and profoundly thin. I'm also going to include a snippet of the song Robot by the Flight of the Concords. The distant future, the distant future.
1: It is the distant future, the year 2000. We
0: are robots.
1: The world is very different ever since the robotic uprising of the mid-90s. There is no more unhappiness. Affirmative. We no longer say yes. Instead... We say affirmative. Yes, affirmative. Unless it's a more colloquial situation with a
0: few robo-friends. The actress who plays Joy in Blade Runner 2049 is Ana de Armas, and the Eliza AI mentioned by Spencer was created and developed from 1964 to 1966 at MIT, and was created to demonstrate the superficiality of communication between humans and machines. The program simulated conversations by using pattern matching and substitution methodology that gave users an illusion of understanding on the part of the program, but it did not have a built-in framework for contextualizing events. A site that you can use is still up, that still uses this ELISA program, but as Spencer mentioned, it's easy for the program to get stuck in a loop. I gave it a try, and it ended up asking me repeatedly why I love talking about big butts, even though I responded by saying big butts don't lie, and you deserve to be in a relationship built on trust. Yeah. During the second conversation discussing good old Michael Sexton of Colorado Springs, the official record for the most uses of the word fuck in a water cooler talk episode is now 48, including the two fucks used in this sentence. As for the amount of lawsuits heralded by Michael, from what I can find, there's only the two mentioned. I don't. If anyone knows how to look up how many lawsuits someone has put forth, Well, actually, I might have a former guest that can help us with that. Uh, The phone call video about fuck mentioned by Spencer is a bit that has been attributed to George Carlin, Monty Python, and Jack Wagner, the voice of Disneyland. We're now at 49. No one really knows who first came up with it, but it's titled The Usage of the Word Fuck. And there we go, an even 50. And the final correction, or more so an add-on to what was mentioned in the episode, the N-word originated in the 18th century as an adaption of the Spanish word negro, but did not actually originate as a slur. Over time, it took on a derogatory connotation, being first recorded as a slur in 1775 according to the Oxford Dictionary, but it gained its reputation as what we understand it to be today by the mid-20th century throughout mostly the united states all right water coolians that's another corrections corner thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to another episode of water cooler talk once again thank you to spencer for calling into the studio and talking about some of the strangest and most bizarre news stories the world has to offer but anyways that's your corrections that's your episode so get out of here this is the story of a podcast that takes weird news from across the world and while many of these stories may seem fake they're absolutely not Because they're real